the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us. Today we're continuing in our series on heroic faith with episode number five about King Josiah and the prophet Jeremiah. That's right. You heard me correctly. Two heroes for the price of one. Woohoo! As always, I'm joined by Christy Woohoo Stratton, my most excellent wingman. Christy, say good morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Friends, each week in this series, we are building our understanding of spiritual heroism, and we hope to make the point that heroic faith has certain characteristics and that we can live out those characteristics ourselves and be heroes of faith in our own time. And I hope you're enjoying it. To recap, last week we talked about Queen Esther, who saved Israel by her courage and cunning. The week before, we met the faithful centurion, And the week before that, we had the chance to admire loyal and loving Ruth. Every biblical hero can teach us something different. For example, Esther taught us that we are each made for such a time as this. She showed us that heroes always act in the moment. They don't worry about the past and they don't worry about the future. They just do the next right thing. And if you missed any of those episodes, they will be available at kkht.com under Programs and then the Podcast tab. Today we're going to talk about an eight-year-old king and a prophet, both of whom turned against the norms of their day to lead and speak God's truth. So what are we going to learn from these heroes of faith? If you take one thing away from this episode, I hope it will be that there comes a time for every spiritual hero to disregard what everyone else is doing and do what God says is right. Our hope is that we will see many similarities in the stories of King Josiah and Jeremiah to the opportunity we have today to turn our backs on popular culture and do what God says is right. Before we begin today's conversation, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, 
I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views, and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, you have said that we cannot serve two masters. You have also said that we are citizens of heaven living for a time in the world. Help us, O Lord, not to give up our heavenly citizenship by serving evil with unrighteous behavior. Help us to serve you and to choose you and your ways in all things. Help us to be strong and to turn away from the temptations of our times, which are miserable. Help us to stand firm, and when we fail, which we all do from time to time, help us to throw off the devil's shame, to return to you quickly, and to walk righteously again. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, Christy, we talked about King Josiah before. If you remember, we said that he showed us the steps to national reformation, to turn to God, to study his commands individually and collectively, to take aggressive steps to rid ourselves of evil and the causes of evil, to protect what is good and to rejoice. Uh, Does that ring a bell? You remember that one? It does. And I'm just still so wowed by the fact that he was eight. He was eight when he took over as the king of Judah. His father was not a good man. And we learn all about this in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23. So 18 years after he becomes the king, he's 26 years old, and he wanted to lead a spiritual reformation in Judah. And I hope that sounds familiar to a lot of you. So he decided to restore the temple. As they began their efforts, they found a book of the law during the temple restoration. And when he read it, he was immediately confronted with the truth of God's word. He knew that the kingdom was living in sin. He tore his clothes. He heaped ashes on his head. He said that they must read this book of the law to the people. And at the time, Israel was in a period of very uh, idolatrous behavior. Uh, As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah, God basically says that though living in the land that God promised and gave, they were worshiping other gods. Mm. And so when confronted with this, Josiah said, we're burning all of these altars, these ashra poles and all of this nonsense. We're going to preserve what is good when they found the bones of a prophet. And then uh, they celebrated uh, because... I love the celebration part because when you're living in God's ways, what's not to celebrate? Life gets so much simpler. It it absolutely, it absolutely does. Yeah. Isn't it weird how we make our lives much more complex when we go out by ourselves and try and reinvent truth or uh, it's bizarre to me how in this present society, we take what is and we try and distill these truths as opposed to taking truth and trying to live according to that. Yeah, it just makes me wonder, why do we do that? Yeah, it's like <laughs> shooting at a moving target. I just, uh, it's so much harder. So um, at the time that this was going on for King Josiah, Jeremiah, a prophet uh, who spoke extensively to God's people, was talking to the people about sin and judgment. He spoke to Judah for 40 years, a period which covered the reign of King Josiah and ended with Judah's destruction by Babylon. So God used Babylon to punish um, Judah. 
And, you know, for both of them, there's one of the things I think about is that when you know the truth, there is a burden with knowing the truth. And so I think that's an amazing uh, thing because as Christians, we know the truth. We do know the truth. And I kind of think about a kid whose dad says he's a little kid and dad says, don't touch the stove. It's hot. You'll burn yourself. And he touches the stove and dad rushes over to him and puts his little hand under cold water, puts ice on it. He doesn't yell at him or all of that stuff. He says, buddy, I told you you would get burned. And this happens again three or four or five times. But now the kid's 19 years old and he's still touching the stove. Right. And the dad is like, okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you're not learning. Right. And, and What did you miss? <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing because one of the most incredible passages in the whole Bible to me is in Jeremiah chapter 3. And it just so tells you about the heart of God, speaking of uh, a father loving a son. And he says this in chapter 3, verse 19, How gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. Mm. It's so such a plaintive that's the creator of the universe right it's such a plaintive passage where he speaks so much that's the heart of god right there i thought you would call me father right and you know uh judah turned away from him and we turn away from him i'm hearing heartbreak uh i'm hearing heartbreak too and as we turn away you know it i get it we're living in the world we said last week that we are citizens of heaven who living in the world, and it's hard, and the devil's good at his job, and so we end up at these decisive points. And as we know the truth, we then seek God to help us to live the truth and to walk out the truth. And so King Josiah was a government, and he said to the people, we're going to turn from our evil ways and try to lead them in that reformation mm-hmm. and uh with him they did well but then his son was evil and his other son was evil and next thing you know god is punishing israel with babylon and we know how that went and uh, there's a, a couple of things in there that i think are important to go back to our earlier discussions on counterinsurgency mm-hmm. so we said that it's irregular warfare which seeks influence and legitimacy over a population of people. Okay. So it's not about blowing up power plants, and it's not about landing on a beach and taking uh, enemy terrain. There is no positional reference. Does that make sense? It does. There's no geography to it. Right. It's about the hearts of people and encouraging and leading. It's bigger. It's, It's... it's bigger yeah. and much more complex. So because there is no geographical reference for counterinsurgency, uh, speaking grossly, counterinsurgencies are executed with lines of operation. Mm-hmm. So basically areas that you work to influence. So, for example, uh, in Afghanistan, one of the lines of operation that NATO tried to 
uh, push on was security. Mm-hmm. Provide security for Afghanistan from uh, terrorism so that uh, good things could take place within the country. And then we tried to uh, develop their security forces. That was another line of operation. Mm-hmm. Does this does mm-hmm. this make sense? Yeah. I have a point. I, I know. promise you. I know. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> so as I think about the spiritual counterinsurgency that we fight on this earth. Yeah. And in this country yes. against these forces of evil who would have us believe all of this craziness. Right. Which we've said before, you just can't make this stuff up. <laughs> no, you can't. I picture these lines of operation, these areas where we're going to see ourselves as having influence. Mm-hmm. So I picture that on a foundation of faith and values, yep. we participate in government. That's another line of operation. Right. So faith and values is a line of operation. Government is a line of operation. As Christians, according to the word of God, we participate in government. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rule of law, courts, as Christians, according to the word of God, we participate in the court process. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's justice, law. Uh, as Christians, we participate in economics. We've yeah. talked a lot about using our resources wisely. We've talked about n- not paying money to organizations that are insurgent, right. that put forth these lies that try and manipulate things. Uh, For example, we know that the media is the information operations line of operation for the Mm -hmm. bad guys. Mm -hmm. These people spout nonsense 24-7, 365. Propaganda. Propaganda. And so that's a line of operation. Right. So my point is that King Josiah in government sought to influence the faith and values of the people. Right. Kind of a top-down look at things. And ultimately it didn't work because faith and values have to come from the people. Mm, That's a good point. So you might think that we can't change our government, but last week we talked about Esther, and one of the points we made was that an individual can change governments because governments are made up of people. That one small action taken in risk, taken in courageous faith. At at a time such as this. At a time such as this. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And so my, uh, what I'd like you to hear from this long and very exciting story on lines (laughs) of operation is that as individuals, we first turn to God, we read his word, our faith and values control us and everything we do in the secular world, and then we change our government, and we change our world. But if we don't change as individuals, no government change will help us. Just think how powerful we could be together. So when you're aligning forces, that which, you know, those who agreed with King Josiah and would help him change the world. How powerful that is. Well, and then what you would see is rather than things changing when King Josiah's reign changed, King Josiah's son would have been constrained by the fact that the people would not tolerate a turn from faith. Yes, much stronger. Makes me think of like links in a chain. That's 
Always. Yeah. Always. And so that's why the community of Christ is so important, because as individuals, we have tremendous power to shape the community, and then the community shapes the world around it. Right. And we do so not by blowing up power plants and landing on beaches. We do so with these lines of operations where we say, for example, one of the lines of operation I envision in this counterinsurgency of faith is family, building strong families. If you want to change the world, build a strong family. Starts at home. Yeah, so imagine if King Josiah's father, who raised, had been a good man, raised a wonderful son in King Josiah, had raised two other good boys. Now who it reminds me of? Who? Pastor Steve and his family. Pastor Steve and his family. Uh, God bless him. Just a beautiful family. And if you want to know an example of a man who walks the very best he can in faith, uh, just amazing. What does he call it? Team what? Uh, I, I don't I don't remember. I he, just has, he just knows. But it's it. right. It's a team. They're all fighting for each other. They're yeah. all on there. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Uh, he told us a story about how he says to his kids, you're a team. And his oldest son got in a little bit of an altercation uh, at a play area. And this his tiny little daughter, who can't weigh more than, I don't know, 25 <laughs> or 30 pounds soaking wet, right, exactly. comes flying out of nowhere <laughs> to defend the big brother yeah. and jumps on the, the one kid's back and... And okay, yeah, we, we're not advocating fighting or anything, but God bless them, just little people sticking up for each he was other. Like, yeah, my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, oh, my princess. <laughs> right. And imagine in the kingdom of Christ if we were that tenacious with each other. So when you look at statistics, 70% of the U.S. says they're Christian. So explain to me how 2 or 3% of the U.S. is deciding who and what we are. Right. That makes no sense. It's as simple as locking arms and saying the word of God says this in love and faith. We're not going to let you do this crazy thing because guess what? Love is not about hot chocolate and marshmallows. It's about leading each other home. And when I say home, I'm talking about the narrow path that leads to Christ. Like the church we talked about on last week's show. Absolutely. And so the important thing is all of these people have ended up in the ditch because we've pretended to love them with these things that are not uh, true according to the Word of God. So as we talk about that, we uh, may as well have our moment of truth. Because I think that in, sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking every, about truth. <laughs> sorry, I took a little mental trip there for a second. Um, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion, and we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it is always relevant, and that it never fails. And our moment of truth today comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Although it was said by Paul to the Philippians, it could just as well have been said by King Josiah to us. Listen to this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Mm. So what comes to mind there is that we must be doers of the word and not just hearers. And then I think to myself, don't get the idea that you have to wait till you're perfect to do anything because you'll be waiting around a long time. God uses no the imperfect. 
but he uses us, his messy little children, who touch the stove over and over, <laughs> and still he comes running to us with an ice cube for our burned fingers and says, children, I love you, and I want to give you good things, but do what I'm saying, and don't touch the stove anymore. What a good God. So it's not really about the stove, in case you missed that leap of logic. <laughs> Friends, what we've learned from King Josiah is that it doesn't matter what your father did or what people around you are doing. All that matters is God's truth. Find God's word, read it, turn to him, rid yourself of evil, and rejoice in what is good. And with God's blessing, that will restore each of us and our nation. Our quote of the day has been said by every kid who ever got caught doing something he should not have been doing. And they say, but everyone is doing it. Mm, I heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. One day we will all answer for our sins and we'll answer as individuals. When that day comes, we can't tell God, but everyone was doing it. Mm-mm. So don't worry about what other people are doing. You will stand before Jesus by yourself not with a group of your friends. First and foremost, we must each be the person God wants us to be Mm. on that foundation of faith and values, on that fundamental line of operation. In this complicated time, we build good families. We focus on being the husband and the wife and the parent that we should be. We participate in government according to scripture. We spend our money, participate economically according to scripture. And in this way, we will develop a tidal wave of power as individuals and in community that will change things. And then by having raised good family, we know that that change will be enduring. As we wrap up, we can take heart from Josiah in his leadership and Jeremiah in his speaking of the truth. Like them, each of us must turn to God and hold ourselves accountable first. There's no top-down solution for cultural depravity. Politics is downstream of culture, so it's just as gross. Whatever society thinks will end up manifesting itself in government. And government in this nation is of the people and by the people. Mm. So have you noticed we're kind of in a mess? I'm reminded of another quote which says, we have met the enemy and he is us. Wow. My point is that we are the problem. And that's kind of exciting because if it's true, then we're the solution, which is excellent. I believe with all my heart that if we turn from the sad ways of this generation and reach for God individually in our faith and values as husbands and wives and parents in our politics, in our finances, and in our daily actions, if we each resist cultural evil and its causes, then we can turn our society from the precipice of history, change our government, and restore our nation. Mm -hmm. Put simply, our nation has gone astray. Why worry about what other people are doing? Why worry about what other people say is normal? As a nation, we're lost. Who asks directions from somebody who's lost? Good point. You be you and do what's right according to God. Do what is right regardless of what those before you did. 
Do the next right thing regardless of how much you have sinned. Then you will have no uncertainty, however uncertain the times may seem. You will be doing the right thing, and that is never wrong. And that is courageous Christianity. So friends, please make sure to keep listening to this series, Heroes on Faith. Each week, we develop another hero who shows us that heroism is about an imperfect individual at a certain time and place, according to God's will, turning their backs on the cultures around them to just do the right thing as they seek God. To live it out. To live it out. These uh, episodes are available at kkht.com under the programs and podcast tab, and they get posted shortly after they air, so you'll be able to keep up with us like that. You can find them on your favorite podcast app, too. Oh, yeah. Good call. So stay with us in the series. You don't want to miss the next hero. And should you want to reach us, we can be contacted at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com or 281-656-1833. Thanks for joining Christy and me today. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and semper fi.